everybody. Welcome to Church in the Valley. We're glad that you're here to worship with us like John mentioned. And we are in the middle of a series called Pressure Points. And I just want to briefly uh, catch you up. If this is your first time at Church in the Valley, if you haven't been in a while, uh, we're in the middle of this series. And we've been looking at the book of James in the New Testament of the Bible. And as we've been going through that book, uh, we've been looking at how do you make the most out of the pressure points uh, that you face in life? And we're defining pressure points as things that uh, overwhelm us, things that cause anxiety, things that may cause us pause. We're not sure what to do. We're not sure what to say. We're not sure what to act or how to act. Uh, Things in life that just kind of weigh on us. And so the question I want to ask all of you this morning is, do you have anything that is weighing on you right now? Are you human? If you can answer that question in the morning, you're, you're actually doing pretty well. But what are the things that are weighing on you? I'd like you to actually just think about that right now, because so many times in life, we rush about to our jobs, we go to church, we go home, we do our chores, we get meals, we go and do it all over again. And every week we do it over again. And we kind of feel like we're under it, just we're overwhelmed in life. But oftentimes what we fail to do is think through, well, what, what are the things that are actually weighing on me? So right now, as I just start this, I want you to pinpoint some things in your life that maybe are causing just some stress and anxiety. You can think about it. You can jot it down. But take about 30 seconds. What is weighing on you right now? Where are some things in your life where you feel uh, some pressure? So go ahead and think about that. And I'm going to be quiet for just a moment. Now, if I stare at you for more than five seconds, it's your turn to share that. No, I'm just kidding. Just in case you didn't feel pressure, that would cause a lot of stress for you, right? But even thinking of that, as I brought that up, you're like, oh, just make something up. Make something up. Make something up. Even that can cause pressure for us. But but whatever you're facing, the reason I bring that up is that's where God wants to meet you today, this week. He actually wants to meet you in the pressures that you face so many times we see God or relationship with God as kind of this, this cosmic authority that exists out there. He's not here. He's out there. And the things that I'm dealing with in my life, uh, he doesn't really kind of pay attention to or he can't really help with. But what you find in the Christian life is actually as you discover who God is in the Bible and you begin to get to know him. And over time, as you decide, like, I want to follow him and you give your life to follow Jesus and he becomes the boss of your life you realize that God was never just out there. He's actually here. He's here in what we're facing as humans. He's created us. So he actually cares about us. He cares about what we deal with. And a relationship with God happens in the situations in life. They don't happen somewhere in the future. God meets you right now in the present. And what we've been looking at the last few weeks is through a variety of circumstances and different pressures that you face. That's the exact place where God wants to meet you. And in the things that you maybe thought about or the things that you jotted down, that's where God wants to to help you right now. So if you want to experience God, it actually happens 
in your life. You can't experience God through someone else's life. You can't experience God through the past or in the future. You can experience him right now. So there's a lot of, of help and encouragement that comes to that. But today I want to kind of focus pressure points on something that impacts us all. And it's the statement that you see on the screen. But when you open your mouth. Oftentimes we open our mouth and what comes out? That's like a trick question. You're like, uh, oxygen. Like, right? No, actually, when you open your mouth, words usually come out. Okay? Words come out. That's what happens. Our mouth opens and words come out. And what we're going to talk about today is how in the pressures that we face, oftentimes our words, what happens when we open our mouth, impacts positively or negatively with the pressures we face. What I mean is your pressure can mount and get even worse based on what you say or don't say. Or it could get better or you could kind of figure your way out of the pressure based on what you say or don't say. And so we're going to tie our mouth and the words that we speak to the pressures that we face. Before that, before we like jump into the scriptures, I want to show a video that kind of highlights how pressures mount. And this is from a movie in the 80s called Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. And if you've seen it, you're giggling. And if you haven't, you have no idea, okay? But this scene is a, uh, a clip of these two characters, the two main characters in the movie, that through tons of pressures and terrible circumstances, they end up having a team together. But they're different personalities. They have different goals. They have different agendas. They have different backgrounds. They have different family situations. And that just causes a lot of rift in their relationship. In this scene we're going to watch, it's that point in time when you say to someone else, I've had enough. And inside of us, when we say we've had enough and we open our mouth, this stuff starts to happen. See if you can relate to this. Let's watch it. Well, go ahead. Sleep in the See if I care. I hope you wake up so stiff you can't even move. You're no saint. You've got a free cab. You've got a free room. Someone will listen to your boring stories. I mean, didn't you, didn't you notice on the plane when you started talking, eventually I started reading the vomit bag? Didn't that give you some sort of clue, like, hey, maybe this guy's not enjoying it? You know, everything is not an anecdote. You have to discriminate. You choose things that are, that are funny or, or mildly amusing or interesting. You're a miracle. Your stories have none of that. They're not even amusing accidentally. Honey, I'd, li- I'd like you to meet Del Griffith. He's got some amusing anecdotes for you. Oh, there's a gun so you can blow your brains out. You'll thank me for it. I could tolerate any, any insurance seminar. For days, I could sit there and listen to them go on and on with a big smile on my face. And I'd say, how can you stand it? And I'd say, because I've been with Del Griffith. I can take anything. You know what that said? I'd say, I know what you mean. Shower curtain ring guy. <laughs> it's like going on a date with a chatty Kathy doll. I expect you have a little spring on your chest. But I pull out and have to snap back. Except I wouldn't pull it out and snap it back. You would. <laughs> By the way, you know, when you're when you're telling these little stories, here's a good idea. Have a point. It makes it so much more interesting for the listener.
You want to hurt me? Go right ahead if it makes you feel any better. I'm an easy target. If you laughed at this clip, you have to sit over here. <laughs> For those of you that don't laugh, you can sit over here. Okay? And I'll, I'll define which those groups mean. Okay? Now, when, you, when you watch that, it's funny. And then you start to see Hal's face, this, this idea of he, he was hurt. And Steve Martin's character just keeps going and going. And the hurt kind of gets more and more. And he even says at the end, you want to hurt me? You know, go ahead. I'm an easy target. And so it kind of starts as like a little jest thing. It, it's like they, they go to like lethal blows, like where you, you know, you're laughing and then in, in the middle of it, you're like, that, this is kind of uncomfortable. And we all have probably experienced situations when we've said something. And if you ever said something and you've seen that same face look back at you, where you realize like, uh oh, I think I might have crossed the line. I think I might have said something that now cut a little bit deep. Or have you been in a situation where somebody said something to you? And you you felt like they just cut you, just kind of kind of got you, just wounded you. There's maybe this deep gash. You you know you just oh it hurts so bad. And we've all we've all faced this. People that love us can say things that crush us. We can love people and say the same sorts of things. Uh, in the height of social media, there's no shortage of opinions and statements, and people just can go at each other. It's so easy. What you find in life is you actually have to go about using your words intentionally. And we need help because it's so easy when we open our mouth for the words to fly and us not to think. And so we're going to talk about specifically some instruction that James gives us this morning where he, he, he just talks about you want to you want to grow in your life and you want to become like a godly person. That's what his book's about. How do you become a godly person? How do you be a, a Christian who's growing? And James, throughout his book, goes after these areas that just kind of get you like, oh, I got to work on that. And it's the same this morning. So today he talks specifically about our speech. And his kind of overarching premise, based on the scriptures I'm going to read, is this. is Our words, they either blow up or diffuse life's pressures. So whatever you're facing, your words can kind of cause an explosion for that pressure to build and build and just hit the breaking point. Or the pressure can actually lessen and diminish based on what you say. And so I want to kind of talk about how this how this happens. But the picture I have in my life, in my in my mind is is this idea like every time I use my words, um, my mouth is, is like it's. It's a fire, and James actually describes it like that. But it's like a lighter, you know. And in the situations I'm relating and talking with people or circumstances, whether I'm at work or whether I'm at home, there's all these fuses all around me. Everyone has a fuse. And with my words, I'm either like turning and lighting that fuse, and an explosion is going to happen. Or I put the flame away, and there's no fire, and there's no explosion. And that's kind of the picture that James wants us to have. We're, we're just walking around our days and our life, with this flame and the flame is our tongue and our words have this power to light the fuses in all the situations and the relationships that we have before I jump specifically into James's instruction. I want to kind of give the context to why speech because James was a follower of Christ and he 
like I mentioned, is, is trying to help these, these new Christians in the first century grow. But they also had a, an understanding of the Old Testament of the Bible okay, before Christ came. That's the Old Testament. And that in the Old Testament, you, you have the words in Genesis of God creating the world, and you have kind of the, the stories of, of the judges and the kings and the early Israel, how they followed God, and Moses and Abraham and all these people in the Old Testament. And there's some parts in the Old Testament called wisdom literature. And in the wisdom literature, this is like Psalms and Proverbs and Ecclesiastes, uh, you, you have not only kind of historical document and like this story of God working with his people, but also just what is, what is wisdom? And in the Old Testament, you have so much related to speech. Because to live a wise life means you actually have to live with an understanding that my speech makes a difference. And so as James writes his words, I want to give some of the context for some things that James uh, was thinking about. And here's why. In today's world, we live in a time where self-expression and saying whatever is on our mind and saying our opinions is the highest degree and level of authenticity. You want to be authentic? You say whatever you feel. You say whatever you think. And to state your opinion, that's exercising the freedom that you have. And the more freedom you have and the more opinions you state, the more authentic and real you are. Actually, what you find in life is there's some opinions that you maybe shouldn't state. You ever experienced that yourself where you've said something and then later you've kind of analyzed the situation and maybe somebody got hurt or somebody was frustrated or somebody was angry. And you kind of, if you're honest with yourself, you kind of peel back the layers and you try to figure out why is this relationship maybe in trouble or why is there tension or in this work situation, why did something blow up? And you can kind of pinpoint back to something that you said or somebody, someone else said. And so in real life, when we kind of are faced with this idea of self-expression, it's true that we all have freedom to say whatever we want to say. But aren't there real consequences for everything we say? Right? There's always consequences. And so the wisdom literature in the Old Testament of the Bible is saying, while you're free to say everything you want to say, you actually could live a whole lot better life if you don't say everything that you think. And so I want to talk about just some brief wisdom sayings in the Proverbs that kind of highlight this. Uh, the first is Proverbs 29.11. I'm just going to jot these down just so you have this context. It says, a fool gives full vent to his spirit, but a wise man quietly holds it back. See that word vent? Have you ever said something and your response to just unloading on somebody is, I'm just venting. I needed to get that off my chest. I know I have. Usually what happens is we open our mouth and this hurricane comes out. And you see people and they're like the trees. And, and the rain and the storm's coming. And people are just. And then you say, thanks. I just needed a vent. And Hurricane Alex just came through. Okay? Venting is this idea that you just, whatever, on your mind, you just let it out. Why? Because I thought it. Because I felt it. Because it's in my head. I just need to vent and let it out. There's a hashtag to this. It's just saying. Now it's getting real. Have you ever wrote that? That's like the vent hashtag. 
Well, this is what I think. This is why it's terrible. This is the worst idea ever. I think that anyone who thinks this is terrible. Hashtag just saying. Do you know, you actually don't need to write that. We know. We just read it. But it's the same thing. I just, just, I'm just saying. Just got to let it out. And we do this. And we have the freedom to do it. You can say whatever you want to say. What the proverb is saying is that a fool gives full vent. It's just whatever you feel in your spirit when inside you just let it out. But you're in a certain category. And it's not wise. It can actually lead to a lot of problems. And then the second part. But a wise man quietly holds it back. The idea that you just keep thoughts to yourself. Okay. Another. um, Oh, I want to show this uh, image right here. Can you go to the image of the. Has anyone seen The Hurt Locker? It's a movie about a man who defuses bombs in Iraq, and that's his job. There's bombs, and he defuses them. And when they find new bombs, he defuses them, and he keeps going, traveling around. It's like very pressure-packed situations. And this is like the bomb suit. And what James is writing, that picture of, of kind of the, the lighter and the fuses, it's like this. Okay. But our tongue is, is the fire and our mouth is the bomb suit. Get what I'm saying? Your mouth is kind of the protection that you have. What the Proverbs is saying is if you keep it closed, that actually could be wise. But we live in a world where it's just, just open it. Just open your mouth. Say whatever you want. Say whatever you want. But our mouth is like this, this bomb suit. Uh, there's another proverb. Uh, if you showed up on the screen, the next one there. Proverbs 15.1, a soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. Now it's talking the different types of words, and it's cause and effect. We live in a cause and effect world. What we say and what we do leads to certain results. We know that. And here it's saying a soft answer turns away wrath. If you're in a pressure-packed situation where somebody's angry or frustrated, how you respond to them can actually diffuse and lessen the turmoil. But I read this, and this is like a great saying, and it's a great, just wise point. But in my life, when the pressure is raised and stuff is anger, what's the normal response? Well, I see your frustration. I raise you my frustration. I see your anger, and I raise it. And you just back and forth, back and forth. And what the proverb is saying is a harsh word. If you're harsh, it actually stirs it up. Keeps it going. Keeps it going. Okay? Uh, Proverbs 17, 28. This is, this is really helpful. Even a fool who keeps silent is considered wise. When he closes his lips, he is deemed intelligent. You want to be smart? Talk less. <laughs> it's just a great, like, you know, people actually don't know. A lot of who you are until you open your mouth. And when I look at my own life, sometimes when I open my mouth, I think, oh, that didn't help them. Now they know. I'm not that smart. <laughs> Even a fool is considered wise when, his, when he closes his lips. He is deemed intelligent. So many times we want to be smart, but we don't tie intelligence to our words. But I was researching this. You know why most people get fired from jobs? It's not because they don't work hard. And there's so many people that are like the most intelligent of the world, most intelligent in the whole world. They they can't keep jobs. It's not because they don't work hard. 
It's actually their words. They have something to say. They have opinions that they want everybody to hear. And so I, I give you this just as like a brief context because James has this in mind. And this, this premise of it, it, it's actually wise to not just vent, to not just express your opinion, to not just rant. But we live in a time right now where that, that's almost unheard of. Again, if you feel it, if you think it, if you feel it, you think it, if you think it, you feel it, it you just, you say it, you say it, you say it, you say it. But there's consequences. So James kind of has this and the listeners have this in their mind. And so I want to kind of segue into the specific scriptures that he writes about in his book of James. And I'm going to pick up in chapter three. We started kind of at chapter one. Each week we've been chunking and moving along. And now we're in chapter three. And this is what he's talking about. And he's initially talking to teachers, people who want to teach and help people grow. And then he kind of broadens his audience. And I'm bringing this up in verse two. This is what he says. For we all stumble in many ways. And if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man. He's talking about maturity, okay? Able also to bridle his whole body. If we put bits into the mouths of horses so that they obey us, we guide their whole bodies as well. And in verse 4, look at the ships also. They, though they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are guided by a very small rudder wherever the will of the pilot directs. So also... The tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. And he's just using this, this picture and this analogy of the tongue, that is the thing that causes our words to happen, like a horse that has a bit in its mouth. The horse doesn't decide where it goes, right? It's the bit in their mouth and the person steering it that decides where the horse goes. And in case we haven't ridden many horses... James uses another example of a rudder. And we may not have been on many ships, but we get this idea of like what steers a ship is this, this, this little rudder that directs it where it goes. And compared to the overall size, it's very small. What James is saying, just like the rudder controls a ship and a bit controls the horse, the tongue controls our lives. And so the point he's saying is controlling our tongue is the key to controlling ourselves. You see how there's kind of some dissonance there with this premise of say whatever you want to say? That's true, but it's leading you in a direction. It's leading you in a certain place. And that's what he's saying. Just like the bits of the horses, just like the rudders of the ship, doesn't matter the size. It matters the impact and the control that it has on your life. And so James just gives this picture. He wants all of us to be on the same page. Okay, we know kind of this is what wisdom says about speech. And then he goes specific, like your tongue, and what happens when you open your mouth, it has a big impact on you and the pressures that you face in life. Things can be bad, but they can get a lot worse depending on what you say. So there's this idea that you actually need to think before you speak. And just because you think something doesn't mean that you need to say it. Because it's, it's directing you. As soon as you say it, you've now taken steps. The picture I have is, is if you've ever been frustrated or discouraged or just tired of work and you thought, I don't want to work here anymore. And maybe you've even thought, like, I'd, I'd love to quit. 
I had a job right out of college. It was sales. And if you're in sales, God bless you. Sales is a grind. And I kind of like sales. But every morning you wake up, it's a new time. You have to generate sales. You have to generate sales. And your kind of worth feels like it's always tied to sales. And I just was in this spot. Oh, I hate my job. I hate my job. You ever been there? But would it be different if I had this thought, like, I hate my job, and then I go to my boss, and I'm like, I hate my job. I'm going to go pack up my stuff. Good thing my arms are like this, right? Because you think it, it does have an impact on you. But what James is writing is, as soon as you say it, direction is set. Cause and effect. Okay? Then, then he goes on further. Careless words ignite serious trouble in our lives. Control the tongue controls our lives. If we're careless with our tongue, if we're careless with our words, we can have serious, serious problems. And this is what he says in verse 5. He has another another picture for us. Now it's of of a forest and a fire. How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. Again, you see, our tongue is just just small and in our mouth. What, what harm can it do? Well, have you ever seen a spark? Start a wildfire, and that's the picture. And the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life, and set on fire by hell. For every kind of beast and bird of reptile and sea creature can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind, but no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. So is James saying, like, no big deal? I mean, when you read that, it's like, are we, like, you want us just to cut it out right now? Or, I mean, it feels like that's what he's saying. It's just, just restless evil. What he's describing is you face pressure in your life. We all do. You've thought of that. It's weighing on us. What James is saying is there's going to be a pressure in your life for the rest of your life, and that's going to be based on what you say. There's always going to be this struggle and attention to be careful of what happens when we open our mouth. It's this fire, and it just sets all these things ablaze. And so he's writing so far, and this is like a warning to us. And this is really helpful, and I, I just want this to kind of settle in, in all of our minds because I don't know about you, but I don't really think, if I'm really honest, I don't think this is like true and real. We talked about that last week. The idea of real, it has an impact on me. True, it's just helpful information but doesn't necessarily impact my life. What James is, is warning and what he's saying to us is that if, if you don't think this is real to you, that your words have an impact, you're going to be setting fires wherever you go. So all that he said so far with these word pictures and these analogies is to get us to the point where we, we're, we're able to be honest. Like, you know what? My, my words have tremendous power. What I say can either be a help or a hurt. I'm going to build or I'm going to tear and he's just wanting us just to kind of, just nailing this point, giving us these pictures so we get to the point where we're like, you're right, you're right. This is true. 
So don't just gloss over this. He's really trying to help us see how powerful our our words are. Okay. Then he goes on, and this is where I kind of want to take us. He he goes on and and describes like what, what to do about it. But he speaks more generally now, not just about the tongue. And this is helpful because he's now describing this idea of living a wise life compared to a foolish life. And he talks about kind of the fruit of that. And so many times we know the fruit of our life by what we say. That's actually a proverb, too, that's in the Bible. From the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. You know, what you say came from your heart. And so James kind of shifts gears and now you know the poison. Now you know the deadly strike that can come. Now you know the fire. Now you know the bomb. All this stuff. And then he's saying, bigger picture. You need help. We need help. And this is what he says uh, in the verses uh, preceding that in verse 13. You can put that on the screen. He says, who is wise and understanding among you? By his good conduct, let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. Okay, so again, if you want to live wisely, it's connected to your speech. That's why he's writing this in the context of what he's saying. But then he goes on. But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast and be false to the truth. This is not the wisdom that comes down from above, but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. Then he goes on. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder and every vile practice. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. And a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. So now he, he's got us listening. We, we want to hear, okay, what, what do we do if our tongue is this powerful and it can impact the pressures we face and it can impact our life? What do we do? And he's saying, well, you need wisdom. But you need to know this isn't just worldly wisdom. This isn't just intelligence. This isn't just kind of having experience. It's actually godly wisdom. And he describes that related to worldly wisdom. And he says this so we have... A screen in our thoughts. We know how to screen the things that come into our heart so that we can screen what happens when we open our mouth. And I want to kind of start with the the best way that you can diminish the pressure with your own words when you open your mouth is you have to screen your thoughts, but it begins with with praying. Okay? Begins with praying. Because you realize that if this is true... And I can have this fire that can set ablaze all the things and circumstances and people around me, then, then I, I need God's help. And so if you want to grow in wisdom in your speech, you actually need to pray and ask God for help. Now, if you're not a Christ follower, the thought of praying could again be kind of distant to this cosmic authority somewhere out there. But actually, the God of the Bible hears our prayers. And when you pray to him, he hears what you have to say. And as a Christ follower, that's, that's the mean of communicating. That's, that's how you keep kind of the, the pipeline of power 
of God to you. It's, it's through your prayer life. It's asking God for help. And if you're not a Christ follower, you don't have that pipeline. But you can begin just by saying a prayer like, God, I, I need help in this area of my speech. And will you help me? And just begin thinking like, what would, what would God do? How could he help your, your thinking or seeing your situation? And so when we pray, it's in the different situations that we face, we know that we have the power to bless or really to, to curse and to, to tear down. So this, this week, you're, you're going to be going to work. I'm going to work. Um, you're going to be interacting with roommates. You're going to be interacting with professors, with bosses, with coworkers, with family members, with friends. And in some of those situations, there could be high pressure. I want to encourage you, if you've never prayed and asked God for help before you interact with somebody, uh, try that this week. If you know that you're going to have a meeting with somebody, like at work, and maybe it's going to be high pressure and you've got to talk about deadlines and maybe there's some stress related, just pray, God, help me as I speak to this person to use my words in a way that will build them up. God, help me to be slow to speak. And for, for me to, to hear them, just ask God for help. If you're trying to raise your kids and you know it's, oh, it's so hard to be patient sometimes, pray. When you wake up in the morning, God, help me as I interact with my kids, as they ask me for things and as stuff is going on, help me to, to be gentle in the way that I respond. Help me to not be harsh. So begin to think, what, what are the things that, kind of get you in trouble with your speech and begin to pray and, and ask God. So that's the first way to screen is, is you pray. The second thing, what, what James is saying here, is that you have to deal with this, this jealousy and selfish ambition. Because when we have those thoughts, they get into our heart, and then that's when we start to speak. And jealousy is, is really this, this like great enthusiasm to want what other people have. Okay? And when we want what other people have, sometimes we can get into resentment. And when we resent people, we, we end up using our words in a way that tears them down. And this happens so easily without thinking. And this selfish ambition is, is, is kind of tied to that, but it's this rivalry. So, you know, we see somebody in their situation and we think, you know what? I need to bring them down a notch. Have you ever thought that? Like you'd never admit that, Right? We have that thought when we interact with people like, eh, they're not all that. And by our words, without maybe even thinking about it, we kind of want to put them in their place. You ever thought that? Somebody needs to put them in their place. It's getting real now, huh? It's like all this stuff, like I've never admitted that to anyone. But we think about this stuff. Why do I know? Because we say the things that we say. If we didn't think it, we wouldn't say it. But think about the things, the way that we cut and tear each other down. It's because this stuff's inside of us. This selfish ambition and this, this jealousy. And so we, we have to, to fight thoughts like this. They seem like they have it all together. I wish I had blank. Something that they have. You ever thought that? Like, man, they have it all together. If I only could have that relationship that they have. If I could only have... That status, that title, that position that they have. And as we harbor those thoughts, it actually impacts our heart. 
and we speak and our words tear down. Or this, how come they get to blank, but I don't? How come they get to do something, be something, or go somewhere that that we really want? And all this, this is that bitter envy, this this selfish ambition. So we have to reject these foolish words. And then once we reject these foolish words and this drive, we, we just have to confess it before God. And that's where the praying is built again. If you've ever related to somebody and you have a hard time with them, this could be somebody you love, but inside you struggle with some resentment or just you're frustrated at them, you're impatient with them. You ask God for help. God, help me to be patient with them. Help me to, to love them because right now I'm so frustrated. Again, God meets us there in the frustration. He can help. So when you ask him for help, then you need to replace. So you identify this is going on. You, you pray. You ask him for help. Help me to see them differently. Help me to see my circumstances differently. Then you need to replace that with godly wisdom. And I just want to kind of close with this because this is the description of what godly wisdom is. This is in 17 and 18. Put that on the screen there. It says, but the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. And a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. And so pure words, as you speak, pure words would be words that are, are not intent on making you kind of in a position better than somebody else. Impure is how do I make myself look better, which is pride. But it comes out in our words. So impure words are, they're kind of mixed bag. Like we, we kind of want ourselves to be in front of other people. And that's not pure. Uh, peaceable. The opposite of this would be wanting to say things because you kind of just want to stir it up. Have you ever said something just because you're like, let's see what happens. Again, we won't admit that. But sometimes we just say stuff like, I'm just going to let them know what I think. But peaceable is, is this going to help them? Will this help them? Will this build them up? Will this encourage them? You know, it encourages giving somebody courage so that they can move forward. They can do it. So many times our words are just, I'm just going to let them know what I think. But we, we have to give thought. A gentle, this is the tone. Okay? We don't think about tone much. But how do you talk to somebody? Hi, how are you? You have a good weekend? You guys feel the love like right there? Like... Or how are you? Good, how are you? Right? It's, it's like tone is like, I don't have time to speak to you. Tone, I don't really care. Or tone like, eye contact like, how are you doing? It's good to see you, Emily. Now she feels totally awkward, but that's the tone. Like, I care. That can happen in how we speak. Make eye contact with people. Smile. If you smile, your words are warmer. Smile. That helps. But, uh, but that's nothing to do with my tongue. You know what, though? But if you smile, it's actually hard to... <laughs> wow, that's scary. That scared me out, and I didn't even see that. I, I'm just going to move on. Uh, open to reason. If you keep talking, you're not open to reason. 
because you're not hearing the reason. Open to someone's viewpoint. That's what it's saying. Open to reason. You're reasonable. You're hearing where they're coming from, and that's factoring in to how you see it. But if you never stop talking, you can't be open to reason because you can't hear what they say. Okay? Uh, merciful. It's tied to that. I can see it from their angle. Not only can I see it from their angle, but I, I understand where they're coming from. Again, we live in a time where authenticity, stating your opinion, saying whatever's on your mind, that is like the most noble thing. What James is saying is that's not noble. That's worldly wisdom. That's not noble. But to actually think, I don't need to win an argument, but I need to understand where somebody's coming from, that's right before God. So all these, it's just, this is what wisdom is. When you open your mouth, how can I be open to reason and at the same time merciful? I can see it from their angle. My goal is not to win. My goal is to understand. Could you imagine what Facebook would look like if this were true? Right? I heard that. Somebody's like, I'd actually go back on there. But this is the breeding ground, you know, social media. But it's the breeding ground of like what happens when we just open our mouth. The problem is we can just type it. It doesn't feel like it lands, but it still does. It's still in the same category of communication. So I'm going to close out our time together. But I want you to think about this just no matter where you are, maybe it's just the first thing is, my words have power. Settle that for a little bit. That's helpful to think about. Because remember, we can be wise just by not saying anything. Okay? I'm going to invite the band up and I'm going to give us some next steps. Okay? First thing is, um, this isn't on the connection card, but just, just kind of evaluate. Have, have you witnessed this yourself? Like, there's power to, to your words, okay? Uh, the first next step that you see on your connection card, we, we encourage you to take these next steps each week. It's kind of a way of, of you taking something that you've heard and putting it into practice. Uh, this is actually what James talks about. It's, it's doing and applying the Bible to our lives. And so the first thing is uh, you can screen your thoughts this week. Like screen some thoughts and identify uh, maybe some things that you need to filter out. Like before you speak... Or that mouth opens, ask yourself, is this helpful? Just, just try to get that in right before you say it. So I, is this helpful? I don't have anything to say. Like, that would be so powerful. If it's not helpful, don't say it. But you've got to ask yourself that. Is it helpful? I'm just going to close my mouth and act like I was yawning. Right? That wouldn't be bad. And then maybe you screen your thoughts and then you think, like, how could I say something gentle? Merciful. Sincere. So screen, filter, and replace. Screen, filter, and replace. The second is, ask me a situation. Now, this is where you're going to have to think. But ask God to show me a situation where I increase the pressure with my words as you're relating to somebody and go back to clear it up. Now, this is specific to Christ followers. We're commanded when we say something that's wrong or hurtful, we're commanded to, to go and make that right, which is you ask forgiveness for what you've said. Will you forgive me for being harsh? And you clear that up. When you do that, you actually can restore a relationship. And you can do that even if you're not a Christ follower, and somebody will actually experience being loved. 
But maybe you just need to ask, like, are there some situations in my life where I, I need to, to clear that up? Is there something I've said? So just take some time to think about that. And then the last step is we want to invite you back next week. We're going to continue this series on pressure points, and we're going to be going further in James. And we will encourage you to, to read kind of the passage that we're going to speak about the next week. And so this next week you could read James 4, 1 through 10. And just ask God to, to speak to you uh, from that. I'm going to wrap up because I want to get to the baptism. And so I want to invite all of you uh, to come. Uh, even if you weren't planning on it, we'd still love for you to come. There's directions or the address in your uh, program. It's at Smith Park Pool at 115. Uh, feel free to, to grab your lunch because that's a long time to eat for after baptism. Grab your lunch. You can head to the park. There's going to be a crew there just hanging out. So we'd love to, to get to know you more, too. And so... Uh, if you can come to the baptism, that, that'd be great. Hope to see you all there. I'm going to pray. We're going to sing another song back to God, and we're going to receive our offering. Let's pray together. God, I do thank you for the help that the scriptures give. And it's relevant and appropriate, and it's timely. And so, God, thank you for your word, which helps us in the moment, and it helps us in life. God, I I pray that you'll, this week, just give us the sense to know the power of our words and to think before we speak, before we open our mouth. Just help us to ask if this is going to be helpful. And God, just give us uh, the screen to just filter out just some of that selfishness or jealousy. God, help us to speak words that are, are wise and are loving to those around us. God, you've given us a tremendous opportunity to love the people that you've put in our life. And so many times it happens with the words that we say. And so, God, we, we want to love you and we want to love others um, with, our, with our speech. And we need your help to do that. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.